We're continuing in our series about the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, but I want to continue talking a little bit about poor in spirit, and I want to do that out of Isaiah 51. Let's go ahead and pray over the word this morning. Father, thank you, Jesus, for all that you're doing in our midst, for your presence, for your love for how you give us opportunities to pray together, how you give us opportunities to uh, listen and grow together. Lord, how you give us opportunities to expand our abilities and to trust you, Father, like with the adventure course. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Father, that you have um, called us to be Christians, little Christ, little anointed ones, um, little messiahs. I thank you, Father, for that word choice. Lord, that you are with us, your Holy Spirit is with us, we are the light to the world so that when we go out, we burn brightly from you, Lord Jesus, wherever we are, that we take your gospel and your light to the nations, Father, to our ats. we're the ones that reflect you, Jesus. So Jesus, I just pray that you help us in our weakness, that you shine through us, that you fill us with your spirit. Lord, as we abide in you, that you produce good fruit, Father. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, Father. The fruit of the the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. Father, come and move in our midst, Lord. And bring uh, the revival and the change that we so desire, Father. We are poor. We need you, Lord. We're poor in spirit. We need you, Jesus. So we will stay attached to you, Father. We will abide in you, Lord Jesus. We will welcome your presence and the movement of your presence, Lord. We will acknowledge and agree with the authority that you possess, Jesus. We will rest in you, Father, and let you work in our midst, Father. We will trust in your goodness and your ability to provide, Jehovah Jireh. We will trust and believe in your ability to heal, Jehovah Rapha. We will trust and we will agree with your ability to bring peace, Jehovah Shammah. We will trust and agree with your ability to cover us, Jehovah Tzitkanu. Father, thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are, Father. We don't serve a weak God. We don't serve a piece of stone. We don't serve a picture on the wall. We serve the Almighty God, and that's who you are, Lord Jesus, the Creator, Father, the one from the beginning, the Ancient of Days. Father, thank you, Lord. Speak to us from your word this morning, Lord Jesus. Let the anointing of the Holy Spirit rest upon it and preach to our hearts what you need us to hear, Father. Each of us individually, because you're able, Lord Jesus. You are able. You're not limited by us, Father. Do what you want to do, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You can tell I've been praying in tongues for... 30 minutes straight. Gets a fire built up in me. I highly recommend it. Isaiah chapter 51. Let's go ahead and read. Isaiah writes here from the the viewpoint of the Lord. The Lord is speaking through Isaiah to us. And he says, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn. And to the quarry from which you were dug. 
Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you. For he was, was but one when I called him, that I might bless him and multiply him. For the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places and makes her wildernesses like Eden, her deserts like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the voice of song. Isaiah 51. Why is being poor in spirit important? Because if you're not poor in spirit, you don't get these verses. You always, when you're not poor in spirit, you look to yourself as your own source of strength, your own source of righteousness, your own source of ability. You look at the kingdom that you build in the name of yourself. It is your righteousness, your religiosity, your faith, your understanding of the word, your Holy Spirit, your Jesus who conforms to your theology, your God Almighty who who adapts himself to fit your ins and outs. It is your religion. When you are poor in spirit, you put it back on him and you're like, Jesus, I'm here to follow you. I need you. And then when he encouragingly says to you, listen to me, you're pursuing righteousness, you're seeking me, so look to the rock from which you were hewn. Look back where you came from. When you're discouraged, when you're overwhelmed, when you're beat down, when things don't seem to be working out, when you need guidance, when you need faith, when you need healing, when you need direction, when you need provision, look to the rock from which you were hewn. I am a chip off the old block because of what Jesus did in me. Not because of what Matthew brings to the table, but because what Jesus brought to the table, and I've got a seat at it, and I'm sitting at that table, Psalms 23, in the presence of all mine enemies, and my cup's running over because of what Jesus has done. And I, because I am poor in the spirit, recognize that table, and I value that table. When you're not poor in spirit, you don't look to the table. You don't even see the table. Poor in spirit opens your eyes to the ability to see the table and say, okay, Lord, do I have a seat here? Yes, you do. Welcome. Come on, sit down. Thank you, Lord. I receive from your provision. Poor in spirit brings us into access to get all that God can do. You see here, uh, God reminds us, look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, that I might bless and multiply him. Do you think you got problems? You think God has promised you things bigger than what you're seeing right now? Do you think you feel alone? Are you overwhelmed? This is a guy who didn't know God, who God appeared to and said, Hey, I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing to every nation. You just got to be a blessing to your ass, you know, to your family. Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be a blessing to every nation. Every tongue and tribe on earth is going to be blessed through you. Wow. If that don't humble you, 
and you go, wow, I can't do this. Well, yeah, you're right. So let's form a covenant, covenant, if you remember this in Scripture. You sit still here, and I'm going to make the covenant. You just sit there and watch me. And so Abraham goes into a trance, and the, uh, the animals are cut up, and they're making this blood covenant, and the light of the torch passes, does the circulate through through in and around and forms the blood covenant with Abraham. Abraham doesn't walk it. Because traditionally you would walk, you would walk together through it, and it would say, Let it be done to me as it's been done to these animals. If I break this blood covenant with you, everything that is mine is yours, everything that yours is mine, your enemies are my enemies, my enemies are your men, enemies, and so forth. You form this lifelong blood relation covenant with this person but Abraham had nothing to give so Abraham sat and God came and did it all and we sit there in Abraham because we've been grafted in through the work of Jesus Christ poor in spirit recognizes that and says yes and amen Lord yes and amen Lord yes and amen Lord I know that you know I know that you know, Lord. I know that you know. I may not know, but I know that you know. I know that you know. You see, you know. I know that you know. I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to trust you because I know that you know. Verse 3 there in Isaiah 51. For the Lord comforts Zion. You need comfort? When you're poor in spirit, you have access to comfort. You know, the second verse, those that mourn will be comforted. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Those that mourn are comforted. You need comfort, the Lord comforts you. You get access to that by sitting, taking the seat at the table. Lord, I need you, I need comfort. Thank you, Lord, I receive it. And you let him pour out his love upon you. That love that can overwhelm. He comforts all of her waste places. I love that. Because it's not like he just comes in and uh, just says, oh, let me, let me touch this area of pain. He, he does. He can go in and touch every that. But you see what he goes further and does. He, religion just covers and does nothing about underneath. Religion is the mask, the uniform, the clothing, the, the face, the makeup. It's the, what we put on on the outside because our heart is ruined and stinks and we don't want it to smell. We don't want you to notice how bad everything is on the inside so we get the outside looking as nice as possible. That's religion. Faith in the Lord, poor in spirit is, Lord, this is where I am. This is all the junk. It's all laid out. He says, come sit at the table. Let me begin to take care and heal of these these areas. Let me begin to deal with these things. Let me begin to provide comfort to all of her waste places. I'm going to make her wilderness like Eden. I'm going to take all the areas of chaos... All the areas where everything's just kind of growing as it's growing. And animals do whatever they want. And there's no order. And you don't like it. No one wants to see it. The whole wasteland of your life. I'm going to make it like Eden. The prized planted 
garden of the Lord. The beautiful area where everything was beautiful and enjoyed and all the fruit was there that you could eat. It was just a beautiful place. I am able to, says the Lord, take the wastelands and make them into Eden. I can comfort this wasteland till it's created, tilled up, dug up, weeded, planted, watered, cared for, cultivated, till it becomes Eden. Being poor in spirit sits you at the table so that your wastelands can just be honest before the Lord so that He can pour upon them and begin to build them into the beautiful gardens of the Lord. That's our testimony. You know, when I was younger in the Lord, you know, we did uh, church planning and you deal with people who are just saved and they get saved and a lot of times the testimonies of the Lord are... Wow, and it's like 15 minutes of all the bad things you did, and then Jesus saved me. It's like this glory. I'm reveling in, I was a bad dude. Oh, yeah, I I used to get drunk every weekend. We partied all the time, but then Jesus saved me. (laughs) This right here is the maturity where you're saying, man, I don't even want to talk about how I was. Let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. I don't have the fear that I had before. I'm not ruled by fear. I'm not ruled by rejection. I am ruled by the love of Jesus. He fills my heart. He liberates me. He's changed me and grown me so that instead of sitting at the the back of the auditorium away from everyone, I can mingle and get around and go from table to table and talk to people I don't know about. I don't know. Because he's filled my heart. I no longer need their approval. I don't worry about their approval. I'm just free. I'm fine. He makes her wildernesses like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Now, wilderness and desert, sometimes they're interchangeable there in the description uh, of the Old Testament. Wilderness to me is, to me is like the, 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 the places that are just wild and things grow. And desert is where there's a, maybe a, it's gone further and it's died. There's not a lot of hope. There's not a lot of resurrection power there. There's not a lot of potential there. If you're going to plant a garden, you could possibly go out and plant it in the wilderness. But I don't think you'd want to go out into a desert and plant a garden. The atmosphere, the circumstances, what's around the area of the desert isn't favorable to growth, to life. But Jesus' promise here is that I'm going to make her desert like the garden of the Lord. Because when you're sitting at the table with the Lord... And he prepares this table, this, uh, table in front of you in the presence of your enemies, all the accusers. And you're sitting there and your cup is running over. He's saying, you know what? I can take this area that's been dead. Say it's been dead for 25 years. You've given up hope on it. There is no life there. But you know what? I'm bigger than that area. And when I heal it, when I set free, and I begin to establish my kingdom in that area, I'm going to turn that desert into the garden of the Lord. And you'll be testifying, Woo, you know, I used to this and I that, but you know what? Jesus, 
Jesus came in and changed this area. Jesus brought life to this area. I'm no longer who I was because Jesus touched me. I sat down. I was lucky enough, smart enough, dumb enough, whatever, to sit at the table of the Lord to say, Jesus, I need you. And he came in and bam, over the process of, of time, sanctified me, changed me, set me free, liberated me, healed me, moved me forward, grew me, produced fruit, trimmed back, pruned me so I produced more fruit. Joy and gladness found there. Thanksgiving and the voice of song found there. No longer is this a place of death and discouragement. No longer are you beat up and you believe the accusations of the enemy. Now you're sitting at the table. You're ignoring what the enemy is saying. You're hearing the voice of Jesus and you're agreeing with it. Your heart is full of joy and life because there is the fresh meal in front of you and the desert and wildernesses are changing. That's what the Lord has for you. Maybe you don't experience that today. Maybe right now you're like, all, all I see is wilderness or all I see is desert. Let me encourage you and exhort you. Jesus is not done yet. And he is faithful even when we are not faithful. He is faithful to lead us. We just have to go, okay, Lord, I'm going to sit down at this table. I, 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 I don't see anything. But, Lord, I'm going to trust that you are able And he begins to build. Don't let the enemy uh, lie to you and get you to agree that it's too late. That you're a failure or it's a failure or it's just dead and I just need to move on. Trust in the ability of the Lord to touch these areas and to heal them. That's why he reminds you, look to the rock from which you were hewn. Remember when he went to Abraham and he said, hey, you know, your wife Sarah is going to have a baby. And Sarah overheard it and she started chuckling. <laughs> Abraham's 100, I'm 90, this ain't happening. Bam. The faithfulness of the Lord. So what can trip us up and keep us from taking our seat at the table? From remembering that uh, to look to the rock and remembering the goodness and the ability of the Lord. I think some things that can get in our way and I want to talk just a little bit about them. One is that... Uh, we can get into a place of pride that says God owes me. It's the reverse of this. It's a prideful entitlement. And what happens when you say God owes me is the minute it doesn't happen, you fall into discouragement and bitterness toward God. 
I expected God to do this because he said he's going to do it and he, it needs to happen the way I said. And when it doesn't happen, then talk to the hand, God. You're not faithful. You're not real. I'm cutting you off. And it's believing the accusation against the enemy or the accusation of the enemy against the Lord because of what something has, has happened. And it's a pride that keeps us from being poor in spirit. Leads to disappointment, bitterness, resentment when, quote-unquote, your blessing doesn't come. Poor in spirit, sitting at the table is the realization that really God owes you nothing. And that you are currently probably extremely blessed. It's wrecking and recounting the goodness of the Lord in your life to remind you when things don't happen the way maybe you wanted them to. We all have had things like this. We've prayed a certain way, and then it didn't work out. And we're like, wow, I I don't know. I had a friend in high school, an older gentleman. Uh, Actually, I was friends with uh, their daughter. She's a couple years older than me. And uh, his wife had died. And then uh, he got Lou Gehrig's disease and passed away slowly over about three years while I was in high school. And uh, the last year I was a believer. And we would go over to his house every night and pray. And we did that for months, believing in the healing of the Lord. And he died. And that rattled me. I was a young believer. Years passed I'm on the mission field. Years have gone by. I'm at a conference. And the pastor, I don't know if you know, if you're familiar with Larry Stocksdale from World Prayer Center, Bethany World Prayer Center down in Louisiana. But he's a big pastor down in Louisiana. But he was talking about um, a missionary that they had had and how the missionary had died. And, and they had prayed a long time. And it just didn't make sense. And when he was uh, getting ready, preparing for the memorial service, and he was praying and asking the Lord just for understanding. And the Lord reminded him and led him to John 21, I think it is, where Peter says, hey, it's been told that John is going to live forever or John won't die. And Jesus says, what are you worried about that? You just follow me. And the revelation hit is I'm not going to understand everything. Some things I'm just going to have to allow Jesus to hit. And he shares this during that service. And it hit me. And I just was like, this thing broke within me. And I went up to my hotel room. And I think I cried for like three hours. Just this whole thing. Because he kept repeating it over me. Will you trust me for healing? Even though you didn't see it there. Will you give that to me? Because you don't understand. And it was hard. But I did. And then after that, after that it broke. And I could pray for people. For healing and not think of Frank every single time. I was able to give it to Jesus. I was able to be poor in spirit and give it to Jesus. Give my lack of understanding of this situation. Because there are going to be situations that God bless it, we don't understand. And allowing God the place to lead us even when we don't understand. Now the flip side of that is what I think that hinders us from being poor in spirit is we're afraid to ask. I'm not worthy. 
I'm, I'm too bad. I've done too bad. And what that is, is you're used to hearing the accusations of the enemy and the accusations of the enemy about you, you have agreed with and it's become your identity. So I agree with what the enemy says. Because the enemy doesn't say to you, hey, look to the rock from which you were hewn. Hey, trust God because look what he did through Abraham and Sarah. Hey, God's able to comfort all your wastelands and turn all your desert areas into garden. The enemy doesn't say that. The enemy says, it's never going to happen. You're a failure. Give up. You're never going to figure it out. It doesn't work. Maybe it works for them, but it's not going to work for you. You're second class. They're first class. It's because he's been to Bible school, you know, that's why. If you had been to Bible school, maybe you might have got it, but you didn't go to Bible school, so you're never going to get this. It's all the lies that he builds up in your heart. And so that you don't sit down at the table to receive because, well, that just doesn't belong to me. Belongs to Michelle, belongs to Michael. Belongs to Scott, belongs, belongs to David, of course, you know. You know how he works, but it doesn't belong to you. And that's a lie. And it keeps you from sitting down at the table. You become that second-class citizen or that, uh, what do they call them in Russia, the poor relative that kind of stands asking to be invited to the table. Well, you've already been invited to the table, Jesus doesn't need to repeat himself multiple times. Just take your seat. There's a seat there with your name on it. Sit down. And tell yourself, you know what, Matt? Yeah, things aren't working out the way you, in the time you wanted or the how you wanted or, or all that set. But you know what, Matt? God's faithful. And I can either decide and believe with how I feel and what the enemy says, or I can agree with what Jesus says. And that's simply, that's my choice in the matter. Will I agree with the Lord and what he's told me, or will I agree with how I feel and what the enemy's telling me? I can tell you that is one of the hardest battles you can be in. Honestly, it's a lonely battle because it's not like you can tell everybody else and they can encourage you. This is the battle that takes place in your heart. It's the surrendering of your failures to Jesus. It's the surrendering of your inadequacies to Jesus. That's humbling. Because by sitting at the table, you admit, I am not enough. I ain't got it. I am a failure, Lord. You love me, and you can do this. That doesn't have to be my identity forever, but I do have to come to the point where I say, okay, Lord, I ain't got it. Poor in spirit, you know, is easy, but it's not. <laughs> but once you do that in these different areas, man, it just opens up. And I will lovingly tell you that it's not a once, once on and done, one and done thing. It's basically your entire life is a welcoming, re-welcoming to the table in a new level, a new area. You know, you're single, then you get married. Woo! Then you have a kid. Woo! 
Then you have a teenager. Woo! Adult kid, grandchildren. You have neighbors. Maybe you have moved into a new house and you've got a new neighbor, you know, or a new coworker or a new boss. It's all these opportunities to go before the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this situation. Or you've had this deep wound that you've been able to cover really well up until this point in your life, and now you can no longer cover it. And it's beginning to pop its ugly head out at you. And you're like, wow, I don't like that. I need to switch back to the way I was when I could really keep this thing down. And the Lord's like, no, you know, actually this is, this is the season when I want to heal this. I want to deal with this. I want to deal with this, this belief inside of you that you're not worthy of my love. So it's going to be painful, but I'm going to stick my finger right on this. And no matter what you do to try to cover that up, no matter how many purses you buy or the brand new sports car you buy or whatever you do to, you know, all the different ways that we deal with our pain, I'm going to put my finger here and I'm going to make sure that we talk about this. And it's like, okay, Lord, I have another opportunity to sit at your table and admit, okay, yes, I do have an issue and I do not believe you love me because of... And you have that conversation with the Lord. And over time, it heals. And then you're like, wow, you're free. I think another one that uh, trips us up, I've only got two more here, so I don't want to overwhelm you with uh, too much um, encouragement this morning. Uh, so the first one is uh, pride says that God owes me. Uh, the second one is I'm afraid to ask. The third one would be uh, being ready to receive. So You're sitting at the table, and sometimes we sit at the table and say, okay, Lord, I accept the fact that I'm here, I'm humble, but I ain't touching this food, <laughs> you know. It's being able to receive then from the Lord of his goodness, being able to say, okay, Lord, yes, I do have a wasteland. Uh, I'm ready for you to begin to dig it up and plant. You know, I, I don't know why it is, but we're just weird. You know, uh, we make mistakes. Some, sometimes it's things that happen to us. Sometimes it's things that happen to us, and then we do. Sometimes it's just stuff that we do. Dumb decisions. You know, I thought it was so funny when you mentioned the frontal cortex and how it doesn't fully develop till we're 25. Uh, sometimes I wonder, I don't as much anymore, but there were times in my life when I wondered if it still had not fully developed, you know. Uh, I was like, why did I do that? You know, why did I make that decision? Um, so I can either hold on to this. Well, you know what, Lord, this is, this is my desert. I did this. I killed this. This was my decision over, uh, you know, the 20 years that I walked this out, that I didn't deal with this wound, uh, that I knew you had pointed it out to me for 20 years, and I admit, yes, I've got a wound, but I'm not going to, you know, but this is just my cross to bear all of this um, junk that I brought into my life from the wound. You know, I receive your healing on the wound, but all this junk, I'm just going to... Uh, 
live with. It, it's okay, Lord, you know. And that's not the fullness that the Lord has for you. The fullness of the Lord is, okay, I not only want to point out the desert, I don't only want to heal the desert, but I want to build up and turn the desert into a fruit-producing area. Ooh. A fruit-producing area. A fruit-producing area. That is pretty good. That just hit me right now, by the way. So I would say that's probably the Holy Spirit. Probably, you know. I'm joking. It is definitely the Holy Spirit. A fruit producing. Sometimes I'm preaching to myself. You realize that, right? So it's a fruit producing area. One guy that I, I uh, saw, he put it a different way. I, I read some, and he, he said, uh, sometimes we come to the table with our hands full. And so we can't receive because we're so full of all that we have to offer the Lord in our praise. I'm so glad you welcomed me in. Here's all the great things that I have to offer you, Lord. And he's like, okay, can we like lay all your toys? You know how little kids, they bring all the toys. It's time to eat and you're like got like seven matchbox cars in one hand and three balls in the other hand. And you're like, okay, you need to put your toys down. God has called you to pray and me to play. But it's, being ready to receive and going through that process where we lay our stuff down and we say, okay, Lord, uh, I allow you to bring this area into fruitfulness. It's weird that we're allowing, but you know what I mean. I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to strive against you, Lord. I'm going to humble myself and receive. And I think the fourth one, is things that hinder us from going to the table. And honestly, I think these are almost possibly stages as you grow in the Lord or you walk out an area. It begins at the first and then the second, and it just goes deeper and deeper. So this to me would be like the fourth, uh, the deepest possibly, and it's where you're boasting in Jesus. You boast in Jesus. You don't boast in your lack. Uh, you just see Jesus in the fullness. It lessens. Sometimes we're so seeking stuff. We sit at the table with a laundry list of what we want the Lord to do for us now that we've humbled ourselves. You know, and some of them are normal, normal good things, you know. I'd like to have a, a dependable vehicle. I'd like to be in a relationship with someone that loves me, you know. I, I want to learn how to love and be loved. You know, normal, normal things that we ask for. I want to have friends. I want to know that you love me. I mean, normal stuff. But it does get to the point as the older you walk with the Lord, it gets to the point of, you know what, just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. So don't feel bad if you're not to the point where it is, just give me Jesus. Uh, I didn't get there last year. I've served the Lord for, I don't know, what is it, 30, 35 years, I think. I've been following Jesus. I wasn't there, and I'm probably not fully there right now. I've got a few areas where I am, you know, Lord, I really, all I really want in this area is just you. If you'll just give me you, I'll be happy. 
you know, that's what I want on my table. And I've got other areas that, you know, that I still struggle. But just being honest, I think the Lord moves us, what I'm beginning to see as I get older, moves us through time to the place where we recognize that really the goal of the poverty is to see Jesus and to welcome Jesus. And boasting, just give me Jesus. Man, Jesus is... Jesus is the answer for your marriage. Jesus is the answer for your finances. Jesus is the answer for this. And it sounds weird to those that are uh, at a different level because I'm like, I don't need Jesus. I need another $500, you know? (laughs) You know what I mean? And sometimes the Lord gives you the $500 and it's good you're at that level, but eventually he takes you to the place where you realize, you know, if I have Jesus, it's okay if I don't have that newfangled whatever. And if I get it, I'll bless the Lord. I'm not going to push it away to prove that I'm, I'm poor before Jesus. You know, I'll take the blessing, but I would rather have Jesus in that place. You don't understand what I mean. It's, it's just a different depth that he takes us in. So my encouragement for you this morning as I close out. is to not give up. Not give up. It is a process. It's a relationship. And by process, I don't mean that you're a project. You're not a project of the Lord. You're like, oh, well, dear Lord, I can see it. <laughs> goes to the Father. You don't know what problem I had with him today. You know, complaining to the father about so-and-so. And you know, no, you're not a project that he works on. It's a relationship. I, I, I want to love you, and I want you to be able to receive my love. That's what I'm, I'm leading you into, and more and more and more of my love. And my ability to provide for you in a healthy way. Because I care about you. You're important to me. I see you. I see you, Nancy, the Lord says. Amen? <laughs> I love make, making eye contact with people when I'm up here. I see you. I don't quite know your name, but I see you, the Lord says. I see you. I don't know your name, but he knows your name. I see you. So as you're walking with the Lord, let him reveal more and more Take the seat at the table and let him love on you. It's there for you. It's there for you. Now, if you haven't been, ever been to the table, the table is open for you. Uh, it's just a matter of, of going to Jesus and saying, Jesus, uh, I want to receive you into my life. I don't know you. I hear about you. I want to know you. I don't want my sin to stand in the way you said you'd forgive it. I I receive your forgiveness. If you're able to wash this clean, please wash it clean. If you're able to give me a new life, that's kind of what I did when I was 15. I was like, if you can do something with this, you go right ahead. Because I can't figure this out. You know, here's my ul. Take it, Lord. Cover it with your blood. I, I receive it. Come into my life. Change me. Say that today. Sit down at the table today this is your first time, if this is your one millionth time, sit down at the table today. Lord, take this area. I give it to you. I give it to you, Lord. 
I give it to you. Let me pray over you. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for every believer here. I thank you, Lord, that the work that you began in them, you are faithful to complete. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the perfecter, the finisher, the maturer. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Even when we're not faithful, you're still faithful. And the promise that you have, that we are chips off the old block. You can take our wasteland and make them into gardens. Our desert where we've given up all hope, you can still turn it into a productive fruit-bearing area. Jesus, come into our hearts in each of these areas and do what you want to do. We give it to you, Lord, today. We give it to you, to, to you to Lord, today. Humbly, we take a seat at the table. Thank you, Father, for access. Amen, Stephen. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Rejoice in Jesus. Journal about it. Encourage yourself in Jesus' name. Amen.